Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brett Allen. Join us each week as Brett interviews extraordinary and amazing people. At the Open Mic, no topic is off limits, and you never know who will drop by. Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Mayday, mayday, mayday. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Brett Allen screaming at you from the Bay Area Studio Airwaves. It's May 1st. Wow, that's a big deal. And today on the show, we have a very special guest, Chester Santos. He is a memory expert and motivational speaker best known for winning the USA Memory Championship. He has been profiled in numerous publications and media outlets, such as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, NBC, CBS, CNN, PBS, Business Week, USA Today, and more. And we have him on our show. Chester Santos, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. I'm looking forward to this. I'm very excited to talk to you. I, I've heard you on several other podcasts. And of course, our mutual friend, Eric Conley, you were on his show as well. And so I have a million questions that I want to ask you. Memorization is not my strong seat, uh, a strong suite. <laughs> and uh, you are known as the person who is the international man of memory. Uh, that is what your website says. And of course, that is what you specialize in. But my first question is, is how are you doing in the midst of all of this craziness that we are experiencing right now? Yeah, you know, it's uh, a very difficult time for everyone. Uh, obviously, it's just this is just completely uh, unprecedented. The world has never seen anything like this, specifically in my business. If that's what you're uh, referring to in my business, it's really pretty crushed because I'm an international speaker. So what I do is give presentations all over the world uh, for various types of organizations on how anyone can develop powerful memory skills and use those skills to become more successful in one's career, personal life, and also uh, in school as well. I have given presentations in, in more than 30 different countries. I travel a lot uh, each year, so my business is uh, you know, very much affected by this uh, since there are currently no conferences uh, no corporate events, just really no uh, meetings whatsoever. So it's uh, greatly impacted uh, myself and my business. Now, are you able to pivot and offer online type classes? Is that something that you're able to do since you're not able to obviously physically travel right now at this point? Uh, I do have online classes. Uh, I have had online classes for uh, many, uh, many, many years, actually. But the main way that I have marketed those online courses is through presentations at conferences, okay. corporate events, and so on. So I'm having to pivot now to, I guess, learning digital uh, marketing, which is what I have been, uh, you know, focused on for the past few weeks. But I do have online courses, and maybe toward the end of the interview, I can tell people how they can look into those if they're interested. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is important. We want to definitely push that, especially now where it seems we're probably moving to an online economy, at least for a while. And yeah, I think what you do is very fascinating. 
And the fact that you are able to memorize some of the things that you have memorized, and the list literally goes on and on. I, I've seen you on several different things. I mean, people probably have seen you on CNN, NBC, uh, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. And you're also a U.S. memory champion of 2008. So let's wind the clock a little bit uh, back just a minute here. And I want to talk about this. How did you get started in this and being a memory champion? Is this something that you were naturally good at growing up, remembering things like, obviously there is a method to it, but how did you know this is something that you were able to or that you were meant to do? So growing up, I often would get the comment from people. People would just say, wow, you have uh, a really good memory. And with those comments in the back of my mind in the year 2000, when I happened to catch, I was just flipping channels. I happened to catch a segment on ABC's 2020, that evening news show. There was a segment on the United States Memory Championship, and it sparked my interest because people had been saying that I had a really good memory. But when I looked into what the best people in the country were scoring in the various events in the USA Memory Championship, uh, things like people were doing things like memorizing entire decks of cards and minutes hundreds of names, hundreds of computer-generated random digits, forwards and backwards in, in just a few minutes, I quickly realized, although I did have probably a better than average memory, I was nowhere near that level. So that's when I started looking into what are the most powerful and effective ways to improve one's memory. And I experimented with uh, many different techniques that I found in books, online uh, just various research that I was doing, I stuck to say, to training myself in a subset of techniques that was uh, that seemed to work best for me. Eventually, I did manage to win the United States Memory Championship, and since then, I've spent the last twelve plus years training other people around the world in the techniques that I feel are going to be most beneficial to them in business and personal life, and also for kids and uh, grandkids that people might have in school. All right. Well, let's break it down to just the very simple process. The first question I have is, why do you feel or why do you think we just on a very simple level have a hard time remembering things? Do you feel like it might be lack of effort or maybe just some of us are better at remembering things than others? Like, what are some basic things that we can put into practice just on a very simple level? Yes. Uh, what I think happens, Brett, is that some people are naturally good at remembering certain types of, certain types of information. At least they have a better natural inclination uh, towards it than others. And then they are encouraged to use their memory and it starts to get stronger and stronger with time. On the opposite side, those that aren't very good with memory to begin with, it doesn't come naturally to them. I think then they are really discouraged from using their memory, and then memory starts to get worse and worse over time. The good news, the positive message that I have for everyone out there is really no matter what level of memory ability you might be born with, no matter where you're at now, you can dramatically improve your ability to remember just about anything at all 
with the right techniques and just a little bit of training and practice. And really, this can be very easy. It can be uh, a lot of fun. I talk a lot about uh, visualization, turning whatever it is that you want to remember into something that you can uh, picture. That's one of the basic ideas. And I can get more into it in detail if you'd like. But the general message that I really want to get across is that anyone can improve their ability to remember, even if you're not naturally good at it. No, let's dive in a little bit more. So let's take, for example, somebody who might be an actor or maybe somebody who gives speeches, uh, whatever would be the easiest way to go about this, because I definitely want to learn more. And, and I'm uh, definitely mentally taking notes here because <laughs> uh, I feel like I could improve as well. So let's just take it down even further and let's expand on that idea a little bit more. Okay, cool. So there are three main principles really that memory champions like myself employ to pull off what first seem like uh, maybe extraordinary feats of memory. Uh, it's really all about the right technique. We employ one visualization. So turning what you want to remember into an image. So in terms of names, uh, if I'm meeting someone named Mike, I might visualize, for instance, a gigantic microphone. If I'm meeting someone named Alice, I might picture, sometimes I picture a white rabbit because that reminds me of Alice in Wonderland. So that is one thing to keep in mind. Try to turn the information in some way into a visual. Next thing to keep in mind is try to involve, if you can, additional senses from there. So not only in your mind see the white rabbit, maybe even imagine that you can smell it. Maybe imagine that you're touching the white rabbit or petting the white rabbit. Um, as you involve more senses, you are activating more areas of your brain and you are building more connections in your mind to the information making it easier to retrieve it later on. So at one point, I starred in an episode of PBS's Nova Science. The episode that I starred in was titled How Smart Can We Get? Or people, if they want to check it out later, they can just Google Chester Santos. That's me and PBS. Anybody can watch that episode for free on the PBS website. You'll see me performing some pretty crazy memory feats. And then they had me train David Pogue. You guys might know David Pogue from the New York Times and CS News. Um, I trained him and he was able to perform some pretty cool memory feats after just a little bit of training. After that, they had some brain scientists, neuroscientists come on the show and explain, all right, how in the world did Chester pull that off? How did David Pogue do it with just a little training? And these brain scientists confirmed that it's because with these memory techniques that I've mastered over the years and that will talk about during the interview today, what's happening is we're recruiting extra areas of the brain, areas of the brain that most people never involve when trying to commit things to memory. We're using these extra areas of the brain to help us so it right away becomes easier to remember anything at all. And part of this is learning to use more senses in order to activate more of your brain. So that's the second principle, more senses. Third and final principle 
is as you are seeing and experiencing all of this happening in your mind, try to make it weird, strange, unusual, extraordinary in some way because there is a psychological aspect to human memory. That is, all of us, with putting forth little to no effort, we tend to remember things that catch us by surprise, that are strange, unusual in some way, right? Brett, Mm -hmm. if during this interview right now, wherever you're at, if and you know wherever people are listening to this at if suddenly an elephant crashed into the room that you're in right now and it started spraying water on you with this trunk if that actually were to happen at this moment you know everyone would probably remember that for the rest of your life you'll never believe this i was interviewing this memory guy or i was listening to this podcast interview and all of a sudden an elephant just crashed into the room that that incident might be stuck in your head for ever without you even trying to commit that to memory, right? And that is because there is this psychological aspect to human memory. And although it isn't fully understood how sometimes in one instant, something will go straight into long-term memory and stay there forever, whereas other times we have a lot of difficulty getting things that we really want to get into our long-term memory. We have trouble with that. Although it isn't fully understood, we realize there is that aspect to how the mind works. Realizing it, we can harness that aspect of human memory and apply it to things that would be useful to remember. Names and faces, presentations, facts and figures, exam material, foreign languages, and so on. When you can combine the three – now, I've gone over three main principles, visualization, utilizing additional senses from there, and also if you can use your creativity and imagination to make all of that crazy, unusual, extraordinary, when you put those three things together, right away, instantly, it becomes easier to remember really just about anything. And whenever you're ready, Brett, we can do an exercise like I did on, on Eric's show and see if people – can keep up and follow along with it. Um, but we don't, whenever you think it's appropriate time to give it a shot. Let's do it. I can use all the help I can get. <laughs> so, uh, let's, okay. let's make it happen, man. Let's just roll with it. That's the beauty of my show. I do have somewhat of a format, but if I feel like something interesting is happening, which is usually the case and I want to explore it or I will forget it. Uh, no, no pun intended. Uh, let's go for it, man. Okay, cool. We'll give it a try. So this is just a quick exercise. It'll take, you know, just three or four minutes and it really helps people to right away put those three principles into practice and understand how it can help you to remember many different types of information. So I'm going to have, uh, you, Brett, and everyone listening to the interview, try to commit to memory the following random list of words. It's going to be monkey iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, and dollar. That is the random list of words. Now, a lot of times when I recite that list of words to uh, audiences and when I do these on interviews, people are thinking, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to be able to remember that, not unless he gives us a lot of time to do it, but in fact, you will be able to commit that to memory in just about three minutes, uh, usually without uh, memory training with the proper techniques, people would commit things like that and other information to memory by just 
reading the information over and over again, reciting it to themselves over and over again, writing it out over and over till it's drilled in their head. When you do things like that, you are not making the most efficient use of your brain. It's very difficult. It doesn't work in the long term. But what we're going to do instead is keep in mind what I discussed earlier, visualization, senses, making it crazy unusual. So what I want for you to do is just visualize a monkey. All right, this monkey is dancing around. The monkey is making uh, monkey noises, whatever a monkey would sound like. I'm working on that monkey impression. (laughs) One One day it might be decent. But the point here is to just try and see and hear the monkey. All right, the monkey now picks up a gigantic iron like you would iron your clothes with because that was the next word so just visualize that you see a monkey dancing around with this gigantic iron the iron starts to fall but a rope attaches itself to the iron maybe even feel the rope maybe it feels sort of rough all right really interact with that so you've got the monkey dancing around with the iron and as it fell the rope attached itself you could feel the rope you look up the rope you see the other end of the rope is attached to a kite That kite's flying around in the air. Maybe you reach up and try and touch that kite. The kite now crashes into the side of a house. Really see it smash into the house. Just see this like a cartoon or a movie playing in your head as just however you can best visualize it. The house, you notice, is completely covered in paper. For some strange reason, it's covered in paper. Out of nowhere, a shoe appears, starts to walk all over the paper see that shoe it smells kind of badly so you decide to investigate and see why you look inside of that shoe and you find a little worm crawling around inside the shoe try to see that smelly worm really see it the worm now jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope maybe it's going to mail itself or something i don't know envelope was next out of nowhere now a pencil appears out of thin air it starts to write all over the envelope maybe it's addressing it that pencil the pencil now jumps into a river there's a huge splash when that little pencil hits the river the river you notice is crashing up against a giant rock that rock flies out of the river it crashes into a tree the tree you notice is growing cheese and out of each piece of cheese shoots a dollar right the last word was dollar now i'm going to go through that again but very quickly uh, in about 30 seconds and as i do just do your best to replay through this little story that we've created in your mind so we started off with the monkey the monkey was dancing around with what it was an iron uh what attached to the iron it was a rope the other end of the rope was attached to what it was a kite the kite then crashed into the house The house was covered in what? It was covered in paper. What walked on it? It was a shoe. What was crawling in the shoe? It was a worm. Worm jumped into the envelope. What wrote on it? It was a pencil. The pencil jumped into the river. The river was crashing up against the rock. That rock flew into the tree. What was it growing? It was growing cheese. And what came out? Dollar was the last word. Now, I'm pretty sure that people listening to this can probably, if they give it a shot now, recall, recite all of those random words in order by simply going through the story in their mind, and each major object that they encounter will give you 
the next word. I don't know if you wanted to try it, Brett, and people listening can see if they can uh, match what you're doing. Uh, it's up to you. <laughs> well, I do remember some of it, but I would be remiss if I said I remembered all of it. But... No, that's okay. Not a big deal. But basically, the, the idea here was to introduce you to uh, the technique and how those three main principles are incorporated into not only this technique, but many different types of memory improvement methods. Uh, people can give it a try later uh, after this interview when they want, but that is just one technique. That one's called the story method. It's just one uh, of many techniques that memory champions uh, like myself use. So yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, they've, they asked me to be on a a lot of different shows over the years, um, CNN, PBS, Nova Science, uh, also all sorts of different uh, news programs, BBC World News last year. But there's nothing different about my brain compared to everyone else's. Again, it's just, you know, I've learned techniques that are powerful and effective. I've put in a little bit of practice. Everybody listening to this interview is capable of doing more with their memory. And, you know, memory is fundamental to learning. It's going to have a positive impact on just about every area of your life. It's incredible. And I feel like just by listening to you speak that perhaps maybe we are just not maximizing our brain capacity. Would that be a correct assumption? Uh, definitely. We are capable of doing so much more with our brains than a lot of people think uh, to currently be possible for them. Again, it's just learning the right technique and putting in a little bit of practice. And this process can actually be very easy and a lot of fun. Nowadays, you know, we're, we're in sort of a low point, I think, in terms of human memory in general, because we're really starting to outsource our memory and other mental functions to all of these electronic devices. Sometimes I talk at tech conferences, believe it or, or not, and I come in sort of, at, sort of as the contrarian point of view. I always acknowledge how incredibly useful all of these, uh, all these technology, uh, all these tech devices are to us in our daily lives. They do help us to be more productive in many different ways. They're very useful, but we also need to be wary of the fact that there is a danger in digital dependency in completely outsourcing mental functions to devices. One uh, example I give sometimes, phone numbers. We all used to be able to remember the phone numbers of so many friends and family members. Uh, I remember growing up, my parents would give me emergency numbers that they thought were important for me to know. We all used to be able to do that, but nowadays you give somebody even one phone number and they feel completely paralyzed. They cannot commit to memory even one phone number. It's getting so bad that there are a lot of people out there nowadays that don't even know their own phone number. It's a really good example of the use it or lose it principle as it applies to memory. Navigation is another example. You have, uh, you know, People that have been driving around in a city for many, like Uber and Lyft drivers that may have been driving in a city for four plus years, if something is wrong with the app, something's wrong <laughs> with the network connection, this has happened to me many times before. Me you too. Just have to, me too. You just have to pull over. You have to pull over. They'll restart their phone a bunch of times until whatever issue resolves itself. Even if they've been driving four plus years, they don't know how to navigate to basic 
places in the city are places that most people should know how to get to in a city. It's because they have for all those years been 100% dependent on the navigation. They've completely shut off their brain. They didn't absorb any of that information. So it's just another example of the use it or lose it principle. And, you know, it illustrates a little bit of this danger in digital dependency. You know, one of the interesting things, too, as I'm listening to you talk, is that I drove to Monterey for two years straight uh, because my son was living there, and they just recently moved back. And the funny thing is, is I went to my son's mom's house hundreds of times, but every time I went, I had to use a GPS. It's so crazy. You would think that I would remember that. What, what, what may be the reason why I didn't remember that? Is it because I'm not maximizing the capabilities of my brain or it's just i don't know i i'm dying to ask you that question because i find this so interesting man and i have so many more questions now after our just brief discussion (laughs) about the other things yeah so it's simply because you weren't paying attention right you were not absorbing any (laughs) you were not you were not absorbing yet you weren't absorbing any of that information into your memory right you turned your brain off And all you did was 100% follow the GPS. So again, it's an example of what happens when you shut your brain off and you're 100% dependent on these devices. It's happened to uh, people at important presentations. I don't want to name any names, but there was a big news story about someone at the, this was a few years back at the CES uh, conference in Las Vegas where they got on stage, they were supposed to give a presentation, but something was wrong with the teleprompters. So they just completely, they just walked off the stage because they couldn't even say a few things that they were supposed to say because they didn't commit any any of it at all to memory. They were 100% uh, percent dependent on that technology, which wasn't working at the time, so they were just powerless. Um, there are a lot of examples. It's interesting because, you know, with this whole pandemic going on now with you know a lot of the world completely shut down i feel like you know as you know in california the bay area we're on a really strict uh lockdown and when i one of one of the places we're allowed to go to is the grocery store and when mm. i've gone and it looks like you know a complete uh ghost town uh sam so you've probably seen the scary pictures on uh, uh oh, yeah. on, online yeah, I mean, it's very scary, and I, I really feel like I'm living in a horror or science fiction movie. It feels like that to me, and I had posted – I post these one-minute tips from around the world uh, each week. If people follow me on Instagram, Chester J. Santos on Instagram, they can see those uh, every week, but I posted one that at the time seemed you know, maybe a little bit out there. Because I was at a location where they filmed uh, Jurassic Park, uh, Avatar, and scenes from the the TV show Lost, um, I I was filming there and talking about how you know these fantastical scenarios described in these uh, movies and TV shows. What if uh, one day you know aliens or something attack the the earth was with some sort of weapon that knocks out our access to technology or maybe a little bit more believable, perhaps, I don't know. Um, We develop some sort of artificial intelligence that one day becomes 
too intelligent and decides to, <laughs> you know, oh decides to limit, you know, decides to limit our access to our electronic devices, right? And trying to c- control us, it limits our access to electronic devices. What are we going to do? Because nobody knows anything anymore, right? No, every nobody has skills like we used to, right? We are losing a lot of mental abilities. We're losing a lot of skills because we're dependent on that technology. And what if? You know, somehow, some way, we lose access to that technology. We're going to be in deep uh, trouble and feel really dumbed down because no one is using their brains nowadays. I know it sounds kind of out there, but I would have thought, you know, what I'm experiencing now uh, would have never happened. And right now, I feel like I'm I'm in a horror I'm in a horror movie, science fiction movie, oh. as it is. So. Yeah, yeah, it's just I mean, crazy. Something to think about. Something to think about. <laughs> oh, you're telling me, man. Like I was watching Contagion or one of those movies, and I was like, man, if there was ever anything that spelled out prophetic events, this movie uh, definitely did. You know, I feel like we're living in the middle of something that is just absolutely insane. You know, it's so crazy. Today, you know, I was getting ready to do another interview. And we lost power and our internet went down. And I was convinced this is how it ends. We're done. (laughs) You know, all of our technology is coming to an end uh, at this very moment. Fortunately, it came back up right away. Uh, But uh, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff, Chester. I tell you, I appreciate all this information. So I have a couple questions that I wanted to ask. I reached out to some people and asked them if they had any questions, if you wouldn't mind just kind of doing like a a round robin thing for her a minute or two. Um, Cool. Absolutely. So memory supplements like ginkgo biloba or whatever it's called. (laughs) Sorry, that was a bad joke. Does that stuff, Mm -hmm. stuff actually work or does it not help at all? And it's more of a psychosomatic thing as far as like memories and remembering things. So very good question. Uh, it's one of the most common questions that I get asked during the Q&A period at my uh, presentations around the world. Um, people are very interested in that topic of supplements that could possibly help with uh, your brain in general and memory specifically. So I want to say up front that that is not really my area of expertise. Uh, My area is more on the training, right, and techniques that you can use to exercise your brain, exercise your memory to make it stronger. But there are some things um, that I will uh, mention that I've just found in my research related to memory, and that is this whole idea of a healthy body equals a healthy mind. I don't think any doctor, I don't think any doctor, any researcher is going to argue with that. So a healthy body equals a healthy mind. So if you are not getting through your diet, the essential, you know, daily recommended uh, allowances of certain vitamins and minerals, maybe consider taking some sort of, you know, multivitamin, because I do think, or, you know, or just try your best to pay more attention to uh, a, a healthy diet because definitely a healthy body equals a healthy mind. Um, some other things, B vitamins we know are important for mental energy and concentration. So if you are deficient in B vitamins, you are more likely to feel, uh, you know, like that mental fog, like mentally uh, cloudy. So keep in mind B vitamins are important. And also every doctor Every researcher, every, everyone's very clear on the fact that omega-3 fatty acids okay. 
are, are essential for proper brain function. So if you are not getting omega-3 somewhere in your diet, a common way to get them is through fish, but some people don't eat fish, right? Um, if you are not getting those through your diet, you might want to consider taking some sort of fish oil uh, supplement or there are different different ways you can get it, but try to get some omega-3s. I think those that I just mentioned are all pretty well agreed upon, um, but there are other things out there where they're, where it's disputed, and one of those would be ginkgo biloba uh, that you mentioned. So there are studies that say that ginkgo biloba, it's an, that's an herb that is shown to improve the circulation of blood, so you're getting more blood flow to the brain, right? Some studies show that it does help with learning and memory, but then, you know, another study might show that maybe it's just the placebo effect, right? Or it's not really that effective. Um, I personally took ginkgo biloba when I was training to compete <laughs> in the United States uh, memory championship, just because I figured it couldn't hurt, you know, to give to give a try, but I'm not so sure on that one. And there are many other supplements out there that I feel are it's a little bit gray as to where um, it as to whether or not it actually helps. Some studies say yes, some studies say no. But the ones that I mentioned earlier, like B vitamins, you know, maybe a multivitamin in general, healthy body equals a healthy mind, and omega three fatty acids. I would say those are all pretty well agreed upon, and you can you know make it a point to get those if you feel you are not as uh, strong with memory or mental function as you could be. Very cool. And I think just having a balanced life, right, as well, you know, you mentioned exercise, multivitamin, and just kind of maybe expanding your cultural awareness as far as what your intake is, right, might also be helpful uh, in exercising it. Like, it's like a muscle, right? Anything else, if you don't exercise it, then it's you're going to run into issues. Would you say that to be true? I mean, just kind of maybe reading books and those other types of things as well would be helpful and just really pushing yourself as far as you possibly could mentally. Absolutely. And, you know, people don't like to hear that. Uh, sometimes they, you know, we wish there was some kind of quick fix uh, and, you know, or magic pill or something, but that's absolutely correct. I, I have been fortunate enough over the years to give presentations with some very famous uh, brain researchers, neuroscientists, and a lot of times they will mention that during their uh, presentations, just the importance of exercising your brain, keeping your brain active, very active uh, and challenged throughout your life with the current research if you're destined to develop Alzheimer's or another form of dementia down the line, you know, there, there's no doctor, no researcher as of today that can tell you how to prevent that from happening. Uh, nobody can say, do this and you will not, you know, you're not going to get Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. But what, of the, uh, what a lot of the researchers are saying is that by engaging in rigorous brain exercise, you can build up what they call cognitive reserve. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to Google that, look it up later. Cognitive reserve is the terminology that you will find used in the research. What it basically means is building up some extra brain muscle. Basically, it's your brain or your mind's um, resistance to uh, damage. And if you do unfortunately develop something, uh, some form of dementia down the line, you might be more resistant to the disease. 
if you have this extra brain muscle, one way they say that's very effective to build up this cognitive reserve is by learning foreign languages. Because when you were yeah, when you were learning foreign languages, you are really exercising your brain. You're really challenging your brain to form new connections, right? It's a really good way to exercise your brain. And uh, it can give you some of this cognitive reserve by learning foreign languages. And of course, if you master the types of memory skills that I teach, it's going to be easier for you to learn foreign languages. I actually teach uh, learning some Korean words in my online programs. Very well. So let's talk about that. You have a very robust online set of resources that people can take advantage of. What are some of those that they can look into and how can they find out more about you in regards to taking some of those classes or purchasing some of your products uh, that you have available to help us all grow our memory and to be better rememberers, if that's a term, and uh, just really maximize the capacity that we have? Cool. Yeah, I'll quickly talk about uh, this online memory school is what uh, is the latest Uh, version of my online training. I've had various forms of online programs for the last 12 years, but Memory School is the latest product. So I had, well, I have been teaching a one-day memory training workshop, live in-person training in San Francisco uh, since 2008, and we cover uh, four main sections in that workshop. Uh, This is the equivalent is now online. It's first memory fundamentals. So improving your memory in general and techniques that that will apply to various information types. That's section one. Section two is number memory, how to memorize any information that contains numbers. So facts that contain figures, dates, formulas, uh, anything at all with numbers. Third section, how to remember people's names. So I actually will simulate introducing you to people with the slideshow. You'll see pictures. This is John. This is Nancy and so on. You'll really develop that ability to remember people's names. And then in the last section, we cover giving presentations from memory without notes or at least reducing the amount of notes that you use. You can be a more powerful and effective speaker. That would also apply to memorizing poetry, famous quotes, etc. We cover foreign languages, Korean specifically. And then last thing covered in the workshop is um, how to apply all of that stuff to exam material. Now, that could be college course exams, high school exams, uh, but it could also be training material uh, for on-the-job training programs. I converted all of that material from the workshop into one section of the online memory school. So all of that material is there. There's also a whole nother advanced training program. In addition, there is ongoing training every month. So I upload new videos every month so that you can continue your training and get even better and better after you've completed the first two parts of the program. Uh, What I've done There usually is a $200 enrollment fee to get started because you get immediate access to the first two programs and tickets to the San Francisco workshop are $400 uh, just for the ticket. So it was a $200 enrollment fee and just the $40 per month for ongoing training continued access. But since this whole thing's been going on, uh, the coronavirus pandemic 
more people are staying at home, what I've done is I have created a free initial access. So you can get started watching the first four videos so you can get an idea of what it's all about. And you can do that by going to memoryschool.net. Uh, visualize a like a fishing net. So you remember that it's dot net. Uh, yeah, you can go to memoryschool.net and you can use either discount code Brett. I set up Brett uh, as a coupon code for your listeners. And then depending on when you do it, I also have one. It should work the same way. Coupon code Facebook. So whichever one you're you end up remembering, use coupon code Facebook or Brett, and that should. Uh, eliminate the enrollment fee. It should bring everything down to zero in the cart so you can get started completely for free, no credit card required or, or anything at all, So and no really no catch there. So hopefully people at least give it a try. It won't cost you anything at all to give it a try. Fantastic. Well, this has been a great conversation, and I really appreciate you connecting, Chester, and providing my listeners with some really great content And hopefully when this all passes, we can connect and do an in-person interview and maybe some other things together. I I would love to explore this even further. Esther, thanks for being here today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brad. It's been great being on your show. And yeah, I look forward to staying in touch and connecting again in the future. Thank you again. Thanks for choosing to join in to this week's episode. Be sure to follow the show on social media, Brett's Open Mic, on all platforms, and to subscribe to the show on your player of choice, which is absolutely free. Finally, please consider sharing this episode with a friend. Every little bit helps. Until next time, cheers! Cheers!